Welcome to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm your host, Stephen Thompson, filling in this week for Noah Strackbine, who is on vacation, and I'm along. I'm here with uh, my good friend Derek Bell. Derek, it's good to see you. How you doing? Doing well, man. Yeah, I think uh, this is our first show together, right? Like, just me and you? This is our first show. Honestly, we we met for the first time at the Combine this past year. That was so, you know, this will be, uh, we're, we're building the chemistry, a new duo, but uh, we're, we're feeling good, and we got a great show for you guys today. We're going to talk a little bit about Alex Highsmith. Talk about the Steelers linebackers, uh, and then a, uh, and then uh, you know some very important training camp battles that are going to come come down in a couple weeks. We're all just waiting for some real football to come back. We got a beautiful day in the Berg, but let's dive into some Steelers football. Okay, let's start with Alex Highsmith. Um, you know, it seems like an extension is kind of on the line or, or is being considered uh, by both the Steelers and by, by Alex. They're, they're probably negotiating it right now as we talk before, before training camp starts. First of all, do you see one coming? Do you expect them, the Pittsburgh Steelers, to extend Alex Highsmith uh, this, this offseason? I think it's going to be definitely the number one thing to watch, you know, in these next couple months leading into training camp. You know, we've got a – I guess it's like a six-week period uh, between we get – before we get to Latrobe and, you know, Highsmith talked about, you know, negotiations are ongoing and I, I think it makes sense for both sides. You know, I think that Highsmith, you know, probably enjoys playing in Pittsburgh, you know, opposite TJ Watt and on, on a pretty good defensive front. And I also think that it makes sense for the Steelers to want to lock somebody up on the other side of that. Um, it It's really, it's going to be tricky though. Edge negotiations are tricky. You know, the market's always hot. It's a premier position. We've got several, of the NFL's best players, you know, potentially up for contract uh, extensions, like Nick Bosa is about to absolutely cash in uh, this offseason as well. So the timing of everything is going to be interesting too. Not just, um, you know, I definitely think that they want to get something done, but the timing of when it could get done is definitely something to watch for. Absolutely. And I think the timing is really good for Highsmith, but in the same vein, it's pretty bad for the Steelers, quite honestly. Like they're going to have to really pay a premium for a guy who's a premium player at his position. Um, this is a guy who was number six in the league in sacks last year. And you look in that stratosphere of player, you know, the guys who who were up there in, in double digit sacks and even like, you know, more than 12 or 13, it's Matt Judon, Hassan Reddick, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa. Like these are guys who are making upwards of, 25 20 million dollars a year like this is this is the cream of the crop and alex highsmith is as a 25 year old is only like um, of these guys who really lead the leagues and league and sacks like outside of like matt judon and and i guess i mean even joey bose is like 28 miles garrett's 28 uh you know reddick's 29 i think yeah like he's the youngest of these really elite pass rushers right now so he's only getting more expensive uh I, I guess that's where we go from here is how much do you think he ends up getting you know like is it upwards of 20 is he is he flutter uh, flow under 20 i feel like 20 is kind of where these conversations start and end 20 per year i guess yeah i think i think it splits in two different ways you know, is is Highsmith going to want to take something that's a little bit of a discount to ensure that he can stay where he's comfortable um, in a place where, you know, he feels like he's in a good environment right now with TJ Watt, a Steelers defense that maximizes, you know, his strengths? Or does he want to potentially, you know, test the market next year? And I, I think that that's a conversation that him and his agent are probably having right now, you know. I think when I look at some of these deals, man, there there are a couple that make this 
I think that just make the negotiations a little bit tougher. Um, one of which is Bradley Chubb. You know, the Dolphins gave up a ton to go get him. But when you really compare Chubb's numbers against Highsmith, it's it's hard to argue that, you know, aside from Chubb being a top draft pick, which Highsmith was not, it's hard to argue that a guy like Highsmith shouldn't be paid in a pretty similar vein. You know what I'm saying? So um, even if I personally get a little bit, I would get a little bit scared about paying him about 20, 22 million per year. I think that you got to look at what other guys are making on the open, like not just the open market because Chubb signed an extension, but what other guys at this premium position are making, I think it makes for a difficult conversation with the Steelers. Right. And I, you know, if you're Highsmith, I want, like, I wonder if, if a deal doesn't get done this off season, like do the Steelers have any hope at all of competing like on the open market? I don't think they're really willing to, like I think they they would probably have to lock it down now to avoid competing with the open market. Well, I think the the only other thing is the franchise tag. And I still I a part of me thinks that that is maybe where we're headed a little bit. Um it is going to be interesting to see how Omar Khan deals with these negotiations, right? It always seemed like with Kevin Colbert, especially in his later years, when they would be talking about these extensions with some of their high-profile players, you know, Cam Hayward, Joe Hayden, other than Big Ben, it seemed like those negotiations would linger into training camp. You know, Deontay Johnson's did last year, but, you know, they did get Minka Fitzpatrick done, I think, this week last year. Um, so there's a potential that maybe we could get something done during this dead period. But I just think if if he enters the regular season, I think a franchise tag, if he has another, let's just say, 9-10 sack season, I think a franchise tag is, you know, and it that's expensive, man, because you, you have to take the cap hits all in one year. It's all guaranteed money. Who knows if he would want to play on the tag. So there, there's there's a lot of layers to this and to figure out, you know, if he's going to be a part of, you know, this Steelers defense for years to come. Right. And and obviously the football reasons make sense, but it's it's all about like that money because this is already an expensive defense and Absolutely. you're – you can afford it right now. You know, like guys are young right now, especially on offense. Like a, a lot of your quarterback, talent, right? Rookie quarterback, uh, Najee's still on it, but like even Najee is like coming up on needing a second deal. Pickens is about like this stuff is going to add up quick, and it does kind of matter how many years you're putting on this this deal too. Like this team is not going to be cheap forever. Um, so it's it's why they've got to be. I I know it's probably not what people want to hear, but like. Letting him walk, I, I, I like franchise tag or letting him walk. Like I, I guess anywhere that you can save money or, or kind of cut down on the years. Even like I don't know. It's a, it's it, they're just in a really tough spot. Like Highsmith having the year he had, and also like TJ going down and and creating some space for him and some air to have this kind of season that he did. It just makes things. It made things a lot tougher on the Steelers. Like you, you love that they kind of had the year they did and that this defense was as good as they were without TJ, but it opened up, it was kind of a double-edged sword and there's some unintended consequences of, of Highsmith having the year he did. I, I do get the sense that he likes Pittsburgh and he's willing to take a He might be willing to take a discount or at least entertain that offer. But I don't know when someone, the first time someone floats a contract, like what Khalil Mack has, like it, if someone floats a hundred million dollars in front of his face, it's going to be, you know, really, his agent's already kind of 
probably telling him that like, man, right. look, look at what we could potentially get on the open market. Look at what these guys are making. But, you know, in terms of Hosmith, man, they've, they really struck gold with him, you know, just because if you look at the other top pass rushers around the league, you know, most of those guys are top draft picks, you know, not just first yeah. rounders, but, you know, guys that are, you know, picked in the top 10, like that's a really premium position that often requires you to spend heavy draft capital. And just with the way the Steelers roster is currently constructed, if if you do let him walk, and I just I, I will reiterate that I think a franchise tag is likely if he has another good season and they're not able to come to an extension before the season regular season starts this year, you're really backing yourself into a corner about what you're going to do next year. Because if you look at the guys behind him, you know you've got T.J. Watt. He's entering his age like 29, 30 season. Marcus Golden's on a one year deal, but he's th- going to be 32 years old this season, so he's a very temporary, short term stopgap type fix. Drafted Nick Herbig. Herbig's pretty undersized. Would be a little bit surprising to me if he showed enough in the preseason. Um, and we'll see if he plays um, a ton in the regular season. It would be a surprising to me if he flashed enough in his rookie season, kind of like Highsmith did, to where they were comfortable letting Bud Dupree walk. So there's not really a ton of starting quality answers right now on the roster for next year. So then it becomes, all right, well, if we don't, if we let him walk, we're kind of pigeonholing ourselves into having to take an edge rusher in the first round. That's really not where you want to be, right? Like you want to be able to draft for, you know, talent. You want to take the best player available at a position of need. If you let Highsmith walk, you're pretty much saying, hey, we have to take an edge rusher early in the draft because they have to come in here and basically start year one. Yeah. Well, and you're also not counting on having a, if this year goes to plan and kind of sealers meet even the lowest of expectations, I feel like people are, generally pretty high on this team going into to 2023 you're not going to have the kind of pick where a top tier edge rusher is available for you um you know and one that could even come close to replacing what you what you got out of alex highsmith so that doesn't make sense so the franchise tag that's interesting and just so i don't know what the number is right now for the franchise tag but it's gonna i mean it's it's hefty there's no doubt it's hefty right 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 and just you know, if you're high, like, so if Highsmith doesn't want to play under the franchise tag, he has to sit out a year, right? Like, you just can't play, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't know that we would get to that point. I mean, you can you can franchise tag somebody and then work on a long term deal before the deadline. That could be very well what they would do. But I still think I, I just I think that that is a kind of break glass in case of emergency type of situation. I I really think that they want to get something resolved, but just in terms of uh, we talk about drafting a rookie, you look at some of these guys that were taken early in the draft last year um, at the, at that edge rusher position, you know, just looking at pro football focus for some of these rookies, but you know, Trayvon Walker was the number one pick overall last year. He finished the season with five sacks, 43 pressures, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, 45 pressures, um, four sacks Jermaine Johnson had three sacks only 14 pressure so there's guys that are picked you know maybe ahead of where the Steelers were even going to be able to draft an edge rusher next year depending on the record of course that really weren't big time contributors I mean if you look at you know stack Alex Hasmuth's production against a guy like Jermaine Johnson granted in a different type of role last year it's a it's a pretty big step down. Edris was a tough transition to make to the league. So um, it, it's interesting, man. I, I think that the Steelers want to keep him around. It really, in my opinion, is going to come down to, 
you know, like it always does the guaranteed money. What are the Steelers willing to give him? Are they going to, you know, they, they fooled a little bit with their rules. You know, they gave Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, a little bit more guaranteed money, uh, typically structure, typically than how they structure their deals. But are they going to be willing to do that with Highsmith? I, I, I don't know. I think that's definitely something that we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I do think this is like a different, like you said a little bit earlier, like this is a little bit of a different era of Steelers football. You know, I think Omar Khan is mm-hmm. definitely a different personality from Kevin Colbert. Um, maybe a little more aggressive, maybe a little more, I guess you could say modern, just, you know, willing to kind of play by the the rules that exist now, which didn't really exist when, when Kevin Colbert was in this, this team was really at the, the height of its, its power under his, uh, under his tenure. So It'll be interesting to watch. You know, we'll see what happens in the lead up to training camp and during during training camp with Alex Highsmith. I want to move on to talking a little bit about training camp, that is, and some of the position battles that could arise during that period. But first, we got a word from our boys over at Manscaped. Summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body's ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be the guy at the beach with Austin Powers' chest hair, and if you grew some winter man tits, the least you can do is make sure they're hairless. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code STEALERSNOW, or STEALERS20, excuse me. STEALERS20 is the code. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 4.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and a ton of other liquid form- formulations to round out your grooming routine. Whether you're trimming your chest or the treasure chest in your pants, this is the best trimmer on the market. The trimmer features a ceramic blade designed to cut hair on loose skin and to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. You can even trim an arrow pointing to the promised land if you're bold enough. Inside the performance package, you'll find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. No one's like nose, no one like nose hair, so the package comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0 as well. And you also get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. If you're wearing sandals, you'll need to get the Manscaped Shears 2.0 Nail Kit as well. Having the right tools for grooming is essential, so do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code STEELERS20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code STEELERS20 at manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles. Love reading those ads. Noah usually does them, but... I Noah's great ad. at them, too. I, Noah... I, I, I always tell him that he's great at those ad reads. Noah, Noah's definitely a performer. He uh, He's really good with those. All right, let's move on to uh, training camp, talking about a few of those uh, those position battles that might, might arise. When you think about what you're looking for at training camp and, and some of these spots where guys are either competing for starting jobs or just playing time at all, what position intrigues you the most and, and who are the guys that you're looking for? Man, I think first and foremost, I'm just ready to talk about some real football, right? I'm ready for this dead period of football to be <laughs> over with. Um, I'm excited about that. There's there's so many of them, though. You know, I think the one that's probably going to draw the most headlines on social media is going to be the left tackle battle. Um, you know, Broderick Jones, Dan Moore Jr., you know, how that battle p- plays out throughout the preseason and training camp. 
but there's other spots that I'm really intrigued by. Of course, the slot cornerback position, how they solve that. You know, what's their nickel package going to be on early downs? What's it going to be on passing downs? Excited to see how that all unfolds. The inside linebacker rotation, you know, can can Mark Robinson take a little bit of a step forward? Can he potentially work his way into a bigger role in his second season? And then just I'm interested to see the receiver battle. I feel like they've got some receivers at the end of the roster, you know, after their top three receivers. I'm interested to see, you know, how the division of labor is there. If, you know, Calvin Austin can work himself into a role as well as, you know, can maybe he secure the return job, you know, the kick returner job, the punt returner job. So those are all things I think that really interest me as we, you know, kind of get closer to Latrobe. Yeah, let's start with that that slot corner position because I feel like that's a really interesting one. And I feel like they've got some options back there. I know Patrick Peterson was talking a lot about how he's played both inside and outside. I think, okay, let's assume that Patrick Peterson bumps to the inside when they play when they play nickel. I guess you assume in their base they'll – They'll put him and Joey Porter on the outside, but who do you see as kind of the first man up uh, in that in that second cornerback spot? I guess opposite Joey Porter, assuming Peterson bumps inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be Wallace, right? Like if yeah. if they start the season in base with, I think Wallace will probably start week one. I guess opposite Peterson in three four, but you know Peter uh, Porter with a strong training camp could definitely have a say in that. And then when they go mm-hmm. nickel, see. I break it down almost into two separate packages because that's what it is. They have an early down nickel, which was in last year's version was, you know, Arthur Millette. And then they have a passing down nickel, which was Cam Sutton. So Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see, you know, Peterson's done a good job. Not He's teased the fact that he's moving around a lot, but I haven't been at practice to really see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting to me to get eyes on it. I'm excited to see what all that means. You know, is he going to be able to play a little bit of dime linebacker when they go six DBs? Are they going to have him match up with tight ends? All that stuff really intrigues me. You know, and I still think that it's probable that Peterson isn't like he's not going to be a full time slot guy next year. Oh. I would be really surprised by that. So you still need another guy to kind of emerge in that battle. You know, is that, you know, just kz play down there a little bit on early downs does he do they play you know keanu neal as a dime backer do they does trey norwood try to put his name in there i know elijah riley's taking some slap some snaps in the slot chandon sullivan you know has played a ton of football over the last two years in the slot so that that battle is going to be very interesting there's a lot of guys kind of gunning for the same position so i'm a big Corey trice guy do you think he plays into this this fact this uh this position battle at all, or is he kind of a, a further down the road type of type of deal? I think it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard, man, for for Trice to get on the field early on, barring injury. But I don't want to. I just I do think that he's so incredibly talented, so I don't want to rule it out. Mm-hmm. But you know he he's not a guy that I look at and say, okay, let's put him in the slot. You know mm-hmm. I, I don't I think that his body type and his skill set is much. Um, better suited for the boundary so I want to see you know how he looks in training camp and preseason as well and you just like I said you never know you don't you don't know how injuries are going to play out you know the Steelers were pretty fortunate last year to be relatively healthy aside from TJ Watt you know having that injury that costed him a lot of his season but you know Levi goes out early in training camp you know we were talking about Last season, you know, a killer with a spoon and he missed yeah. a ton of time early on. You know, he missed some time 
throughout the and Levi Wallace missed I think almost all of Trent camp because he was sick. So you just those things will happen. You don't like to talk about them, but they will happen. And yeah. when they when those do arise, I think Trice is going to get a good opportunity to show what he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just with Trice, it feels like a uh, a thin line, I guess. Like he's going to have to be pretty good to stand out even in those limited like he's not gonna i don't think he's gonna get a ton of reps especially in training camp and he's just gonna have to make the most of him or you know be a special be a great special teamer probably for for most of the year which is tough but yeah i want to move on to another one that you talked about that inside linebacker rotation because again it's a place where i feel like they have options you know they they did upgrade i felt like and we'll we'll get to that in a minute that'll be our kind of next topic but you know where it doesn't seem like Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts are slam dunk every down linebackers there. They might rotate a little bit uh, in uh, this coming season. Yeah. You know, the Steelers have been poking around at some inside linebacker options, you know, on the free agent market, they had that meeting with Quan Alexander, nothing really materialized there in terms of a, a deal being signed or anything, but you know, Cole Holcomb signed a three-year deal I think that he's probably the the top option right now and pretty well cemented in terms of being a starter come opening day. You know, they signed a Landon Roberts. What's interesting about Roberts is he is kind of a throwback buck linebacker. You know, you're really familiar with him from watching him with yeah. his time in New England. You know, he mm-hmm. loves to blitz. This dude is very, very good blitzing up the middle. They were pretty creative with him in Miami. Basically, they just asked him to get downhill, whether it's against the run or whenever teams would go play action or pass the ball. If he's on the field, he's coming downhill. Not asked to cover a ton. It does not, you know, excel in the open field. He is a very much a throwback type of guy. And I think that that's interesting because there's still a role for those type of players. But like you said, that's not an every down role. You know, a lot of linebackers, you don't see a lot of throwback linebackers like that anymore. And the Steelers don't blitz their inside linebackers a ton anymore either. So that that's what interests me about Roberts is how are they going to blitz more this season if he if he gets significant playing time. So Yeah. Well, and they I you know, don't feel like any of these guys are really fantastic cover guys. Like I I, mm-hmm. I get the I get the I have a hunch that Keanu Neal is going to end up playing a lot more linebacker than we might think right now just because He's probably the best. I mean, he's not technically not technically not a linebacker, but they might just need him down there, like on mm-hmm. passing downs to to cover running backs and cover slot receivers. Like the, they're going to need him because I don't think Alandon Roberts and Cole Holcomb and even Mark Robinson or Nick Herbig are built for built for like a third down and long. You know, able to to yeah. stick with with quicker guys. I thought I think it's it is interesting. I was listening to a good podcast on my way home from Disney. I was actually listening to Nick Herbig's position coach uh, talk about some of the coverage responsibilities that he had at Wisconsin. And Wisconsin does ask their outside linebackers to do some different things in coverage. Pretty much, you know, he the way he laid it out, I think, was that they even tell their recruits coming in the only thing that you won't learn how to do in terms of pass coverage is run the run the scene. So the only thing that they don't ask them to do is basically your Tampa two pole dropper. And, you know, so Herbig does have some experience in coverage, but it's a different world in there inside linebacker covering in the league. You know, you have so many of these, so many of these offenses are, are getting really creative and smart about the ways that they're deploying their best weapons. You know, on any given down, you could have a crosser from the best receiver on the other side of the football. You could be matched up on an option route with Christian McCaffrey 
it, it's difficult times in there. And there's there's not a surplus of guys that are good against the run and the pass. But, you know, Holcomb's pretty athletic. I think that Herbig's athletic if they let him get experience at linebacker. Mark Robinson, we'll see. I, I, I was impressed by the little bit that we saw. But I, you said you had a hunch that Keanu Neal could, could work his way into this rotation. I definitely think he's going to be in the rotation as a downbacker. I just – I think I'm not putting it past the Steelers to add another person to this mix before training camp. I just, maybe that's just a hunch, but I don't think they're adding to that. They're done adding to that position. You don't think they're done. So any name in particular, or do you, uh, do you just kind of figure it'll be a body? I don't have a name in particular. And maybe, maybe saying that they'll add one by training camp is a little bit, maybe that's too greedy. Let's call it by by week one, just because mm-hmm. I, I want to say that, you know, once roster cuts start happening and teams are trimming down to the 53-man roster, I just – I think that, you know, and things could play out differently. Maybe the inside linebacker group looks really good in training camp. Maybe they look really good in preseason. The Steelers organization decides they don't need it, but it would not surprise me if they added another body to the mix here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would definitely probably be – I mean, you also got to think about – Nick Kwiatkowski, Kwiatkowski, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy who might not be in his prime anymore, but when he was in his prime, he was a pretty decent cover guy. You know, he had a bunch of passes defended, had some some turnovers. Like, he's at least capable and proved that, you know, as a starting linebacker in, in the NFL. So I think that's another name that you have to throw in there and think about. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 would, I would not be surprised either if there's another name in here just because I think the Steelers need a different – kind of prototype i guess like yeah. they just need someone else who can who can play a little bit differently one one more guy that i want to shout out tanner muse no oh, yeah mm-hmm. last year for seattle he he played sparingly uh he played a little bit more i think after jordan brooks got hurt but i watched some of his film from this past season and he's still really athletic man and you watch muse was used as a safety kind of overhang defender you know a lot of people remember the isaiah simmons kind of role at clemson you know trenton simpson did a lot of the same thing but muse was doing some of that stuff back in the day as well i was not shocked to see muse overdrafted and then kind of struggle in the league a little bit he's bounced around but you know he does have some ability and coverage especially if you're you know, projecting him as a linebacker. So who knows? I think it's pretty wide open. I, like you said, I don't know that they're, they have these two linebackers that they're going to use on 90% of the snaps. That's, yeah. that's not what this group is, but it'll be a lot of mixing and matching. And I'm excited to see, you know, if they're able to at least give them a little bit of an upgrade over what they had last season with Miles Jack, Devin Bush. Guys like that. Yeah, Rob Spillane. Yeah, it'll definitely be a really interesting thing to watch. We're going to stick with the linebackers, actually, as we move on a little bit. ESPN's Mina Kimes uh, was speaking yesterday, uh, I believe on ESPN, uh, during a segment on NFL Now, uh, or NFL Live, excuse me. She was really complimentary of the Steelers' defense, and she expects a lot you know, from, from this unit going forward. But she does see one big hole, and she called it a potential pitfall for the Steelers this coming season, and it is that linebacker group. I'll just read you the full quote of what she said. My concern, and frankly, it's been a concern with Pittsburgh ever since the retirement of Ryan Shazier, and that's at linebacker. Because looking at that depth chart, that's what stands out to me. The very middle of the defense is is continuing to be an issue, both potentially in run defense and in coverage. You've got Cole Holcomb and Alandon Roberts coming in as free agents, and if I was an offense playing a team, 
that's what I would look to attack in the pass game as well as running the football. I think that could be a potential pitfall in an otherwise really good unit. So we talked a little bit before we got on, you know, off air, and I can't disagree with kind of the thesis of this, but I don't know. I feel like she's selling them a little bit short. I think saying that you can attack them in the pass game is certainly fair, but I don't know. I, I have a little more confidence that they'll be able to stand up against the run a little bit better, especially compared to last year when there were times where they were getting run all over, especially late in games. Like I remember the Browns game, the first Browns game, the uh, the first Ravens game, Patriots game. Like there were a few instances where it was like it was five, six, seven yards a pop every time someone ran the football. Yeah. Yeah. And they did overall, you know, if you look at the advanced metrics, I think they were top 10, I believe, in a rushing EPA per play. So the numbers overall were fine, but there was some scary moments. You mentioned the first Ravens game. That was the one that I really think back yeah. to as pretty, especially given the fact that Lamar didn't play that game and pretty much yeah. everyone in the stadium knew that Baltimore was going to run the ball 90% of the time. And J.K. Dobbins had a field day, but they did better in the second matchup. I think for let's just start with run defense. I think Roberts helps you there. And I think that even Mark Robinson, although I do think that there were times last year where he was a little bit overzealous in his, you know, reads or angles. I think that those two guys are going to be functional players against the run. They can take on blocks, um, perhaps definitely better in my opinion than Devin Bush or Miles Jack last year. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you're going to miss a ton there. I'm a, I will say this about Cole Holcomb, and I, I like Holcomb as a baseline starting level linebacker. He does not take on blocks well. You have to mm-hmm. keep this dude clean. And this was mm-hmm. when I did the film room on him. I'm sitting there combing through the film. I mean, it's very, very rare that you see him stand up a block. So that it, it's yeah. going to be very important. And the only reason I bring this up is because we're going to see what happens at nose tackle. I think Keanu Benton's going to get a chance to maybe start there, but they brought in some other guys, you know, Fahoko, I think I'm saying his name right. Um, And then Montrevious Adams. We'll see who the, when they're in base, but it is very, very important that Holcomb is kept clean because he is not a stack and shed linebacker. He's a good athlete. He can get sideline to sideline. He'll make some plays for you, but He's a guy that if you allow offensive linemen to get to the second level on him, he's going to struggle. So, mm-hmm. but having said that, I think the bar is just so low, and maybe right. that's maybe that's being you know I don't know I'll call it being a realist, but mm-hmm. I think the bar is just so low because I think that the Steelers uh, off ball linebacker group has been bad, like she said, yeah. since Shazir got hurt. So, I still think that they can have a good defense with this inside linebacker group, even if I do agree with her premise that it is, you know, the weak link of the group. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, even last year, I felt like the linebacker group was as bad as I can remember the Steelers linebackers being since I started watching football and they still had, they were a functional defense. Right. And they still had this top 10 group that really carried them through tough moments at times. So yeah, again, like I, I, I guess I can kind of agree and get behind that statement, but it's, I don't know. I, I do still feel like there's a little bit more depth. There's a little bit more talent. And I don't know. I, I, I'm also a little, I'm pretty high on Nick Herbig. Like you said, he's undersized, but I think we're going to at least get a chance to see him on defense a, a bit this year. I, I, I would say I'm a little bit higher on, on this group than, than Kimes might, than Mina might be, but I, I, I do understand the, 
the concerns, I guess. Like it, it's it's easy to see, but I just I, I don't know. I I I feel more confident in them than I did last year, and it, it feels like even a marginal gain for that group can lead to like really big things for the defense yeah. as a whole. And like I said, I think expectations are everything. You know you are what you prioritize in. So the the thing is, is, you know, if, if the Steelers, for example, if the Steelers pass rush is average this season, let's just say they're average in sacks, average in pressure rate. That's a disaster because yeah. the Steelers have prioritized pass rushers. You know, they've got Cam Hayward on a big deal. They signed TJ Watt to a mega contract. They signed Larry Ogunjobi to a big contract. Alex Hasmith, you know, headed towards a potential huge extension, whatever. So they've really prioritized that area of their defense. So if they really struggle in that regard, that's extremely concerning. But if you look at this inside linebacker group, Kohok was on like three-year, $18 million deal, very limited guaranteed money. That's pretty much the price you're going to pay to get a starter in the building that's reasonably athletic and serviceable at that position, right? Landon Roberts, cheap deal. Mark Robinson, seventh rounder. Nick Herbig, a potential day three rookie position convert i mean they haven't prioritized the position so for me if everything else around them plays up to par and up to their potential then i think this inside linebacker group will be fine enough to get by and i think and i'm not disagreeing with mina's premise at all really but i just think in general it's healthy conversation to understand that even on good defenses top 10 defenses potentially even top five defenses you don't have stars everywhere. Like there's yeah. going to be times or positional groups where you just don't have studs everywhere. And that's okay. Like you can circumvent that through other positions and that's where you need your stars to be stars. And I think the Steelers have enough star power on defense to kind of minimize some of the effects of some of these baseline players that they've got. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I mean, that's why you have TJ Watt and Cam Hayward and why it's why you draft Joey Porter. It's why Those you guys make Patrick other Peterson. guys better. Right. Yeah. And Minka and, you know, it's all, it's all tied in. It's a team defense. It's not just one unit. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree. It'd be interesting to see how that position plays out from, you know, the depth to what they actually look like on the field. We got a big, you know, still in this lull a little bit for, for a little longer until training camp starts, but we're excited to see how they shake out. And until then we'll just keep talking about what they can be um, with that. Derek and I are going to get out of here. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of All Steelers Talk. We really appreciate you watching us, and we will see you next week. Peace.